We're excited to celebrate him. Our vacation Bible school this year was set in Australia. I was going to do my Australian accent, and I discovered I don't have one. It was really bad, so I'm going to spare you. Have any of you ever been to Australia? My understanding is that it is a beautiful country and a beautiful place to be. Our focus has been that God gives life. God creates life. The sanctity of life. God is a life-giving God. And I, again, just want to express my appreciation to everyone who made Vacation Bible School such a success and such an impact on so many people. Today is Vacation Bible School Sunday, and I want us to focus on some simple first principles, and I'm going to rehearse to you some of the things that we've been learning in Vacation Bible School. First principles are foundational truths. These are things of the utmost importance. They're just simply things that are true, even though many people in our world may not think they're true or may not believe they're true. There's one thing about God's truth, though. It doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. It's still true. It'll make a difference to you, but truth is not dependent on whether we believe it or not. Truth stands alone. And the first one, and if you're following along in your worship guide, guys, this is a good place for you to write notes or to write things down in your worship guide. The first thing that we want to note is simply that God is the giver of life. There was a time when there was nothing. There was not anything. No universe, no world, no planets, no stars. There were no people. There were no cars, no houses. There was no chocolate. There was no Burger King. There was no ice cream. There was nothing except God. And God has always been. He has always been as He is. He's always been holy, and He's always been pure, and He's always been loving, and He's always been kind, and He's always been just, and He's always been. And the Bible begins in the very first book, in the very first verse, by telling us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You will remember, as a matter of fact, those of you who are following on, this is a good place for you just to refresh your minds. You remember that God, first of all, separated from light and darkness. He separated darkness from light. He made night and day. That was day one. And then he made the atmosphere, separating the upper waters from the lower. That was day two. On day three, he separated the waters from the land. He made dry ground and plants. And then on day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. On day five, he made the birds and the sea creatures. And on day six, he made the land animals and he made people. And on the seventh day, he rested. Again, our vacation Bible school was set in Australia. And I would love to go there sometimes because there are some wild-looking animals in Australia. Now, I will tell you, we had some pretty wild-looking animals at vacation Bible school. But God is a very creative God. There's an animal that some of you may recognize. Let's see if we can get this picture up on the screen. You guys know what that is? It's called a frilled neck lizard or a frilled dragon. They live in Australia and New Guinea and they can grow up sometimes to almost three feet long. You know what's the most funny thing about this thing? It will run on two feet sometimes. It'll pick up and run on its back legs while its neck is filled. Can you imagine something three feet long like that running at you on two feet? I would turn around, I think, and run the other way. But that 
shows the majesty and the glory and the creativity of our Creator God. There's another animal that many of you will be familiar with. It looks like it was put together by a committee. As a matter of fact, in 17... um, Let me make sure I get the date right. 1799, there were some naturalists from Europe who heard about this animal. They went to Australia to investigate, and they made the judgment that it was a fake, that somebody had taken four different animals and put them together to make the body that they found. But no, this is a real living animal. Anybody know what it's called? It's a platypus. That's exactly right. Now, it's, it's strange in a lot of different ways. It is a mammal. And mammals typically give birth to babies without eggs, but this mammal lays eggs, uh, which is an unusual thing. It's one of only six in creation that lay eggs. Also, it's interesting in that it has a bill like a duck, a tail like a beaver, feet like an otter. It's just an unusual but very cute animal. Now, I want to show you one other picture, and this is, this is my favorite animal that's, that's well-known in Australia, and it's called the cassowary. Cassowary. Have you guys ever seen this? That little ridge on the top of its head is a bone. It's hard that sticks up on the top of its head. Let me tell you about this. This is often been called the most dangerous bird in the world. Okay? Now... It's not dangerous because of this, but it's one of those birds that can't fly. It doesn't have any tail feathers. But it does have wings. They're very small. I don't know if you can see its feet very well in that picture, but it's got massive feet, and it's venomous. It will both attack you, and it will poison you. It's dangerous. Well, just don't get close, okay? It won't if you don't let it. Well, it does eat fruit, and it does eat plants. It also eats animals. Uh, but what I find interesting about this is those things can run up to 30 to 35 miles an hour, and they can grow as tall as five or six feet. I can't grow as tall as six feet, and this animal can grow as tall as six feet. As wonderful as these are, and this one is also called the dinosaur bird because he has a lot in common, bone-wise and structure-wise, with some of the fossils of the dinosaurs. By the way, on July the 10th, I want to make sure everybody knows, on July the 10th, we have a creation expert who's going to come, and he's going to be here in the Sunday school hour at 9 o'clock and in the worship hour at 10.30 to talk about creation, to answer questions about dinosaurs and fossils. It will be a good Sunday. I would encourage you to make plans to attend and bring people that may have questions. As wonderful as all these animals are, And we know they're just amazing. We know others that are just as amazing, from elephants to mosquitoes to mice to moles to eagles to hummingbirds. All life was created by God. Now, here's the point. Not all creation is the same. When you read Genesis chapter 1, you see that God made the atmosphere, separating the upper waters from the lower. You see that God separated light from darkness. You see that God created the land from the sea. And you see that God made the birds and the fish. And you see that God made the animals. But then he did something different. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 1.27. So God created man, a human, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth 
and subdue it and have dominion over it. You be the leader over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And that's the second point that we learned at Vacation Bible School and that we need to understand as adults and that we need to understand in our world today. And that is that God makes people different from the rest of creation. Or God makes people distinct from the rest of creation. God makes people different from the rest of creation. And it's described in this passage of Scripture that we are made in the image of God. A couple of things I want us to note here really quick. We are made in the image of God. We have a capacity for morality. We have a moral, spiritual, and intellectual capacity that other animals don't have. I, Suzanne and I have frequently cohabitated with dogs. Now, let me explain that. We have had pets, dog pets. Now, most of them weren't ours. They were our children's that we somehow became responsible for. But we loved the dogs. We loved the, the animals that we had. We had some very intelligent dogs. We had some that demonstrated that they're dumb animals. They're not very intelligent. All right. But uh, there's a few things that you can know about any animal and how it's different. Uh, by the way, I will tell you this. I don't call my dogs fur babies. And they don't put shoes and coats and ties and hats on them. All right. Uh, they, they are pets, they're animals that can be trained, they can show affection, they can have emotions and they can be moody, but no dog or cat or any other pet ever ponders the meaning of life. They never ponder the purpose of, of life. They are, never ponder morality or immorality. They are engaged with survival, and we are, hopefully, smarter than they are. We're certainly made and created smarter than they are. We are in the image of God, in some way reflecting not only the capacity, but the character of God. We are like God somehow. It says here, male and female, we're made in His image. God made Adam from the dust of the ground. He made Eve from Adam's side. Adam, when he was introduced to Eve, said, there she is, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And he told him to be fruitful and multiply, which we just read. Another truth that it is important to understand, especially today, is that life begins at conception. This life that God gives begins at conception. When does life begin? Genesis chapter 5, when we have another story of who the dads and who the moms, who the kids and who the descendants were, it says in Genesis chapter 5, of course, verse 3, that when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and he named him Seth. We see through multiple passages of Scripture, uh, Job 15, 14, Psalm 51, 5, multiple passages that, that our moral capabilities start pre-birth, post-conception, pre-birth. What that means is that when you see a, a mom who is going to have a baby, what that means is she already has one. She already has one. It's a baby that is in her womb. The baby can suck its thumb at 12 weeks. Its heart is already beating. The baby has a body that has its own DNA that is different than its mom's DNA. It's already a person. It's alive in its mom's womb until it's born. What is the difference? The difference is its location, inside versus outside, and its stage of development. But it is no less a person. Moral, 
spiritual nature begins at conception. In Psalm 139, the Bible says, listen to this, this is what, talking about God and what He did. He said, you formed me, my inward parts. You, God, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. A wonderful, how wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame, my body was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths. Your eyes, or depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so we just see that life begins at conception, life, our life, we are in our moral understanding of who we are, our reality. Here's the point. God made Adam in his image, and Adam had no sin. But there was a problem. You guys remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? You remember how the serpent came and he tempted them to eat the fruit? And they said, no, God said, I could eat any of the fruit off of any tree in the Garden of Eden except that one. And the devil said, did he really say that? I don't think that's true. What he knows, and they looked at it, and it looked good, and ooh, it looked like it would taste good. And then he said, if you eat it, you'll be as wise as God is. And they saw that it would be good to make them wise, and so they were tempted in every way they could be tempted. And rather than being true to the one command that God had given them, they stepped across the line. They broke God's law. They disobeyed. And there was a punishment connected to the disobedience. Does anybody know what the punishment connected to the disobedience was? What was it? In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. That's a, that's a harsh punishment. It's a harsh punishment. And so their relationship with God was broken. And now, when Adam and Eve had Seth, according to Genesis chapter 5, Seth was born in whose image? In Adam's image. Now, Adam was created in the image of God. And, of course, Genesis 6 says we're in the image of God. James chapter 2 says that mankind is, is, was, has been created in the image of God. But there's something wrong with the image of God in us. We are in Adam's image. We have sinned. And sin separates us from God. That's what Romans chapter 5 is about. So I want you to understand, first of all, that God gives all life. God creates people with different capacities. He makes us distinct. But the pe- as people, we rebel against God. We do things that are wrong. We break God's law. And the wages of sin, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, says the wages of sin is death. What that means is that we don't know God. We don't know God as we should. We don't know God as he intended for us to know him. We don't know him intimately and personally. And, of course, God loves us. He loves all of his creation. And he is not willing that any should perish. He wants everyone not to experience the consequences of their sin, but everyone to know what it means to be alive to God, to have the joy of God, to be, live the life that God would have them to live. Do you know John 3.16? Can we say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's the translation I memorized it in. Thank you for following along. But that is a great, great passage of Scripture. It tells us what God did, not only in giving us life on this earth, but how we can have eternal life, how we can have life with those who love Him, how we can have life with Him forever. 
God is the giver of eternal life. How? Through Jesus. And that's the fourth point on your outline. God is the giver of eternal life through Jesus. Jesus came and he didn't break God's law. Jesus came and he didn't sin. Jesus came and he didn't rebel. And because of that, he was able to take our punishment for our sin on himself. The Bible says it like this, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible also says for all of our sins and our faults were nailed, they were, they were, they were paid for, they were nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ in order that we might be set free, in order that we might be forgiven and have not just a life that's interested in survival, but have what Jesus called abundant life. One of my favorite passages is in the Gospel of John. Jesus warns about the destroyer who's coming to lie and to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus tells about the sheep in the, in the gate. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that pasture, but one of the things that he says in that passage is that he is the giver of life. And he has come... Not only that we might have life, but that we might have abundant life. There was a man named Paul, and he was a disciple. Now, he was an apostle. He had been saved. He met Jesus in a dramatic way. I hope most of you know the story. If you don't, it's found in Acts chapter 9. You can read it. I would encourage you to do so. But Paul gave his life. He was called and commissioned and he gave his life to ministry, to work. And one of the things that he learned and one of the things that God uses him to teach us in the words that he wrote is that for us to live is Christ. Our lives, once we give our lives to Christ, he gives his life to us and we can live walking hand in hand with the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in the Spirit. To live is Christ. To die is gain. He says, when this body ends and I die, I am going to continue to live. I'm going to be better off then even than I am now because of the eternal life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this has been a Vacation Bible School sermon, but I want you to know something. These are truths for all people everywhere. God gives life. He is the only giver of life. And God makes people distinct and different than any other aspect of creation. And I want to tell you, listen to me, moms and dads and, 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 and young folks and people. This is the doctrine that means that every person is of value to God. Every person. It doesn't make any difference what country they were born in. It doesn't make any difference what language they speak. It doesn't make any difference what color their skin is. It doesn't make any difference where they are 106 years old or whether they will be born in nine months. Every life is worthy of value and the most vulnerable are the most worthy and needing of protection. Amen? And so we get to celebrate that God is the giver of life. We get to celebrate that mankind has a distinct and unique position in all of God's creation. But we fell and we need a rescue. And God sent one. 
He sent his son Jesus to rescue us from the penalty of our own sin, from the penalty of our own choices. God is the giver of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we love talking to people about that around here. We would love to share with you how you can know Jesus personally, how you can be forgiven of sin, how you can enter into the eternal life that God promises through his son Jesus. We have an activity that we do here. I will ask a question and the congregation answers. I will ask, isn't God good? And everybody says, he is good indeed. Can we try that again? Isn't God good? He is good indeed. We come to thank him that he is the giver of life. And we pray that you have, and if you don't have, that you find eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this very simple message, these very clear propositional truths. And our hearts are sad because so many people don't know them or they don't believe them or they deny them. And because of that, they struggle in ways that they should not struggle. They suffer in ways they should not struggle, su- suffer. They do damage to the innocent. They do damage to the society and the world that you created. But God, you are patient and long-suffering and kind. You care for us and you love us. You watch out for us. You build a life for us. You give us life. You forgive us our sins and wash us in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You make us new. And so, Father, we just want to thank you for these great truths that you give life, that you make people special so that we can have a relationship with you that even though we messed it up, you made a way that, to make it right through Jesus Christ. And what we do is we respond in repentance and faith by giving our lives to you. And then you give your life to us. And it becomes an abundant life filled with joy. Father, be glorified in us today. We thank you for your goodness. In your name I pray. Amen.